0: This is Archbishop Blaise Supich, Archbishop of Chicago. Today, I invite you to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Word on Fire Catholic Ministries is a non-for-profit apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization that utilizes media, both old and new, to share the faith on every continent and facilitate an encounter with Christ in his church. The efforts of Word on Fire Catholic Ministries engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. This is an invitation to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's word of love for each of us. When our hearts are open, the Lord changes and transforms us so that we in turn begin to share the warmth and light of Jesus Christ who is the Word on Fire. The global benefactors of Word on Fire Catholic Ministries, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on Fire.
1: Peace be with you. Friends, I begin today with my uh, philosopher's hat on and tell you that a basic tenet of existentialism, which was a very influential philosophy in the 20th century, a basic tenet of it is that we invent ourselves. So Jean-Paul Sartre, the famous philosopher who invented the existentialist philosophy, said that existence precedes essence. It's his fancy way of saying that our freedom comes first, and then what we are or who we are follows as a consequence. In other words, we decide. We decide who we will be, what we will be. Well, I would say that what was once a kind of rarefied philosophy for Parisian intellectuals in the mid-20th century has now become a common view among most young people in the Western countries. Who are you to tell me what to do? That's the watchword of most people in the West today. I decide who I will be. You don't tell me. Church or government or other person, I decide what I will do, what I will be. Many of the debates around uh, gay marriage today, transsexualism, et cetera, et cetera, center around this understanding of life. And what you hear from most people is that liberty seems to trump everything. Now, Sartre was right that the chief obstacle to this view was not the state, though it can be a minor obstacle, not even the church the chief obstacle to the existentialist philosophy is God himself. Why? Well, because, see, God would represent this demand, this moral demand that my freedom is meant to conform itself to God. And that's why Sartre famously said, if God exists, I can't be free. But I am free. Therefore, God does not exist. That's a pithy little syllogism that Sartre put forward as his argument for atheism. And I would say an awful lot of people buy that argument today. That view is trickled down into the common consciousness. And see, the point is, this is not just a matter of theoretical interest for Sartre, or for people today, his disciples. It's a matter of life and death. This is what it's all about if there's some great power brooding over my freedom, well, then I can't really be alive. Freedom, liberty, trumps everything. Now, why am I telling you about existentialism? Well, I do it by way of contrast with the biblical view on display from Genesis through Revelation, but on particularly magnificent display in our second reading. Our second reading today is the prologue to Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And can I urge everybody, get out your Bibles and read the beginning of Paul to the Ephesians. Not hard to find. It's right there. It's one of the longer of Paul's letters. So look at at Romans, then 1 and 2 Corinthians, then you're going to find Galatians and then Ephesians. The prologue, this very poetic introduction to the letter is a beautiful presentation of the biblical view. You know, maybe just a word about Ephesus, which was, in Paul's time, a pretty sophisticated city. It was a port town. Therefore, it was a kind of cultural crossroad. It was multilingual, multicultural. Still standing today, if you go to Ephesus, a lot of the ancient buildings and ruins are still there. And the most magnificent of the ruins is the library that stood at the end of the main thoroughfare of Ephesus. So Paul is talking to this community, this rather sophisticated, multicultural community. And there weren't any Sartrean existentialists in Ephesus, but there would have been a whole array of worldly philosophers, Epicureans and materialists, etc. So listen is what Paul says to them. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavens, as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world to be holy and without blemish before Him. Now, if you read that thing properly, all of Christianity is contained in those lines. Notice first how the attention is drawn to God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The focus is not on freedom, not on our decisions or projects. It's on God. And mind you too, not to God in general or to any old God, but rather to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What matters to Paul, and he's saying to his readers, what should matter to you, above all, is the God disclosed in the mystery of Jesus Christ. Not me, not my life, my projects, not any of the philosophers or stars or trendsetters of Paul's time or our time. They shouldn't be the focus. God is the focus. So a first question for us who or what has our attention? Let that question sink into your heart. It'll change your life if you answer it honestly. Who or what really has your attention? Notice too, Paul refers to Jesus as Lord. His word is curios. I think I've told you now many times before that curios at the time was a title given to Caesar. It meant he was your Lord, he was your political leader, he was the one to whom your allegiance is due. Paul was rather clearly insinuating that Caesar is not the true Lord, but rather Jesus. He's the one to whom our final allegiance is due. Which is why, precisely, <laughs> battalions of the earliest Christians, including Paul himself, were martyred. I mean, the Romans knew what it meant for someone to say, Caesar's not the Lord, but, but someone whom Caesar killed is the Lord? What, are you kidding? If you keep saying it, we'll put you in prison. you keep saying it, we'll kill you. That's what happened to a lot of the first Christians. So, a second question for us. Who is our Lord? Somebody is. Trust me when I tell you that. You say, oh, I don't have any Lord. No, no, everyone's got a Lord. It might be your own ego. It might be your own sense of, of self. It might be a a pop star, it might be a philosopher, it might be your own family or whatever. Somebody's in control of your life, that's the point. Paul's implying there should be one Lord of your life, and that's Jesus. Now, keep going. As we look at the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, what do we notice? Listen to Paul again. He chose us in him, before the foundation of the world, to be holy and without blemish before him. Now do you see, everybody, why I began with Jean-Paul Sartre. What matters as far as Paul is concerned is not that we choose or what we choose, but rather that we are chosen. Now can I say again, If you let this idea sink deep in your heart, your whole life will change around. The existentialist view on, on very clear display today, almost universally held today, says that what I choose is what matters. Existence precedes essence. Paul says just the opposite. What matters is not what you choose, but rather that you are chosen. It's not your freedom that matters so much. It's God's freedom in electing you. Does that make sense? The Bible is a book about election, about God choosing. Remember, Jesus says, is that, is that you who've chosen me? It's I who've chosen you. If that's true, everything changes. I've expressed the idea before, and I've made it, in fact, a cornerstone of, of life at the seminary, as your life is not about you. There's the biblical religion. See, for Sard, no, that's what, your life's all about you. Your freedom is everything. No, no, your life is not about you. You've been chosen. Now, when did he choose us? Before the foundation of the world. From all eternity, God already had you in mind, has laid out a destiny and a plan for you. He's already seen what part you are destined to play in his theodrama. Sartre is the classic advocate of the ego drama, but you see, God doesn't care about ego dramas. He wants us to share in the adventure of discovering our role in the theodrama that was chosen for us before the foundation of the world. Now, let's go on. What's the ultimate value of this participation? Listen to Paul. To be holy and without blemish before him. Everything hinges on this. So our attention is focused on God, okay? Jesus is the Lord. We're trying to find our role in a drama that he's already foreseen. But what's all of this about? It's about being holy. And that means set apart for God's service. Nothing else matters. We avatars of the ego drama, we disciples of Sartre, we worshippers at the altar of freedom, say that lots of other things matter. Money and success and influence and power, safety, physical health, etc. And all these things, mind you, are fine in themselves. But they're not what finally matters. What matters, through it all, is being holy. Being set apart for God's service. Without holiness, the rest of it turns to dust. There is Bible from beginning to end. Now, listen how Paul admirably sums up all of this toward the end of the prologue. Listen. In him we were chosen, destined in accord with the purpose of the one who accomplishes all things according to the intention of his will. Now, it's almost comical. I mean, could he have said it any more clearly or any more emphatically? There are in that one little line I just read, five separate Hemmings in of the human will. In him, chosen, destined, according to his purpose, according to the attention of his will. Five times, Paul saying, not you, not you, not you. I'll close with a, a term that has a powerful resonance in the theological tradition, Paul's word is anakephaliosis, recapitulatio in Latin, recapitulation we say in English. What does it mean? It means summing up. See, we Sartreans all think that the summing up point is our little will. How boring, by the way. What Paul is saying is everything in nature, history, science, our lives is summed up in Christ. When that sinks in, everything changes.
0: And God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Word on Fire. My prayer is that each of us may be on fire with love for God and neighbor. Until next week. I pray that God will bless you and those you love.